Yes. Would you take your Bibles, my friends, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, beginning at verse 36. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, and on the night before Jesus was crucified, he went into a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. He went there with his disciples to pray. What happened in that garden is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 36. If you are able to stand for the reading of God's word, please uh, stand with me. And here is what the scripture says, beginning Matthew 26, at verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. In verse 47. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and the elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. At that point, 
all the disciples deserted him and fled. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this portion of your holy word. And I pray that through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you would communicate to each of us what you want us to know, what you want us to feel, what you want us to act upon in everyday life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Please feel free to be seated. In part one of the message Gethsemane, I, I shared with you two main truths. The first one was this. The first truth was Jesus understands our emotional pain and can help us through it. He understands the emotional pain that most of us go through at different times and he can help us through it. May the Lord do that for you at whatever stage you're at, whatever experience you go through. And then in the previous message, we also talked about this second truth, and it was this. Jesus inspires us to surrender to God's will, even when we feel like asking God to spare us the hardship. And so the question we need to regularly ask ourselves is, will you and I, will you and I live in surrender to God's will? Amen. Now as we come to the second part of uh, this message, part two, we discover the following truths. And the first truth I want to direct your attention to is this. Why don't you read it with me from the big screen. Jesus knows what it is like to have people let us down, even to desert us, and Jesus can help us. We can see how the disciples let down Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Look at verse 40, for example. Read it with me. Then he, Jesus, returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Then look at verse 43. When he, Jesus, returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. And then a little bit later in the reading, verse 56, last part of it says, read it with me. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Wow. When Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray on the night on the night before he was crucified, he had especially asked some of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, to pray with him. But they let Jesus down. As the scripture says, they kept falling asleep. You and I have also had times, haven't we? You and I have also had times when people have let us down. Perhaps you ask a family member or friend to pray for you, to pray for you about an important matter, and then you discovered that they forgot. They forgot to pray for you or pray with you. There are many ways in which sometimes a friend or a family member 
has let you down. It could be that you, you loaned him or her some money, expecting to get it back in six months, but six or more years have passed, and you still have not been paid back. You perhaps feel let down. It might be that someone let you down by not being there for you when you really needed him or her, right? Others of you felt let down because, because maybe you weren't invited to someone's birthday or, in, or wedding or anniversary celebration and you thought, can't understand why in the world they wouldn't invite you. Then there are times when a child or a teenager has had a birthday party and uh, 10, 15, or 20 friends and relatives were invited, and almost everyone who, invited, who was invited said, they said that they would attend, they would attend the party, but on the day of the party, no one showed up and no one called to explain what happened. If I asked for a show of hands, some of you would put your hands up. A mother, a mother broke hearts on TikTok when she shared the devastating news that there were 22, 22 no-shows at her son's sixth birthday party. Not one person showed up, and that six-year-old was crushed. Over the past three years of COVID, Many ministers in, in all kinds of churches, all kinds of places of worship across our country have felt very let down over the past three years, let down over the past three years of COVID because ministers could see, they could see their people having no fear of going shopping, no fear of going to the movies, no fear of going to restaurants, no fear of going on long long airline or airplane trips, but when it came to going to their local place of worship to worship the Lord, suddenly they were afraid of COVID. Suddenly. My friends, in the case of Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was not only let down by his disciples when, when Jesus was arrested, he was not only let down, he was deserted. Because Matthew 26, verse 56 says what? At this point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. It would have made me feel much better if that verse said, all of them deserted him except one, you know? just would make me feel better if it didn't say all the disciples deserted him. How does that grab you when you read it? It just is painful to me to see that word all the disciples deserted him. I looked up the definition of the word desert, D-E-S-E-R-T, and here's what the dictionary says. To abandon a person 
to abandon a person, a cause, or organization in a way considered disloyal or treacherous. In a way that seems disloyal or treacherous. It's interesting how in our English language, one letter changes the meaning of a word, right? The word desert, that is D-E-S-E-R-T, means to abandon, to abandon. Now, if you insert a second S in there and you spell it D-E-S-S-E-R-T, it means what? It means or refers to a sweet dish that people enjoy. I heard someone say like ice cream or apple pie and ice cream, whatever. What are some of your favorite desserts? What are they? Cheesecake, chocolate cake. What else? Broccoli. A man after my own heart. I'd rather have broccoli too, brother. Um, he, he, he's our trainer. He's our health expert. Thank you. All right. Um, now, most of us enjoy a dessert, D-E-S-S-E-R-T. By the way, some of you just learned the difference between a, a dessert and a dessert, right? <laughs> All right. Most of us enjoy... A dessert with the two S's. But however, none of us enjoy being deserted, meaning abandoned. And sadly, some of you have told me this over the years. Some of you grew up feeling abandoned, deserted, in some cases deserted by your father or mother or both. Others of you were abandoned by a boyfriend or girlfriend that you thought really cared about you. If I asked for a show of hands, there would be a lot of hands go up. Others of you were deserted, unfortunately, by your husband or wife. Unfortunately, sometimes when when a mother or father or a special needs person has to go into a senior's home or a group home. Sometimes a son or daughter or other family members end up abandoning. They don't mean to do it, but it happens. They end up abandoning their loved one in the institution. And I want to very sincerely commend, I want to commend those of you, those of you who have a mom or a dad, a brother or sister, or other family member in a senior's home or in a group home, and you have not You have not forgotten them. You phone them, you email them, you visit them, you remember their birthdays and other special days, and I want to commend you for that fact. Congratulations to you. God will bless you. God will bless you for treating that person the way they should be treated. Congratulations to you. Give those folks a hand, would you? Give those folks a hand. Amen. Amen. The truth is, 
All of us will have times when we feel let down, disappointed, and deserted. The good news is, the good news is, Jesus went through all of that. And because he did, Jesus knows your hurt, and he knows how to best help you and me. Here are, here are some ways Jesus can help you when you feel let down, disappointed by someone, deserted, or abandoned, whatever words we want to use. All right? Here's one way. Pray and express your feelings to the Lord. Okay? Don't, don't try to bury your, your feelings. Don't try to bury them and pretend they're not there. But rather do as 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Amen? Secondly, we're talking about some ways the Lord can help, can help us when, when we feel let down, disappointed, or someone has deserted us. Secondly, talk privately with someone who cares about you, someone you can trust. Sometimes the Holy Spirit uses, uses talking with someone to help, to help us with our hurt. Amen? Then thirdly, ask the Spirit of God to help you try to understand what needs, what needs of yours failed to be met as a result of a person letting you down or deserting you? Say, Lord, what needs of mine have been failed to be met because of this serious disappointment, this, this person deserting me? Ask yourself, can someone else, can someone else perhaps meet that need? And maybe the Lord, by his Spirit, will bring the name of another person who can assist you. Then fourth, fourth, think about whether or not your expectations are reasonable. Sometimes we need to change our expectations so we don't repeatedly feel let down. Stick with me on this. Here's one little example. I have observed over the years as a pastor that sometimes when a son or daughter gets married and they move out of the family home, now occasionally parents are just happy to get rid of him or her, but, <laughs> but not, not usually, <laughs> not, not usually, okay? But I've observed over the years that sometimes when a son or daughter gets married and they move out of the family home, sometimes the mother or the father still expect the, the, the new bride or the new groom or both to drop into the parents' home every day or every second day. I heard someone say amen. This part of the message might be for that person. <laughs> okay? So sometimes the parent or parents will expect the 
bride and the groom are both to drop in every day or every second day. And if the bride or groom or both don't drop by the parent's home every day or every two days, the parent or parents can feel what? They can feel let down or they can feel abandoned. After all these years I raised you, now you have forgotten me. Poor me. In that situation, my friends, parents, parents, you need to change your expectations. The new bride and new groom usually will not be able to drop by their parents' home every day or every two days. Be grateful. Be grateful if the bride and groom can come by once a week, right? Change your expectations and and it will help prevent you from feeling constantly let down. It will help prevent you from getting upset with your son or daughter or both the bride and groom. Am I making sense? Yes, indeed. All right. Here's another way the Lord might help you. This is a fifth idea. Examine, examine your own behavior and ask yourself, is there something about my behavior I need to change that is possibly turning people off? All right? Don't turn me off now. Listen. Okay, is there something about my behavior I need to change that is possibly turning some people off? Okay, here's the fact. Sometimes a person can often feel let down because their behavior or bad habits turn people off. For example, if a guy is in a dating relationship, If you have a date with your girlfriend, if you have a date, an appointment, a date with your girlfriend, and at the last moment, a couple of buddies drop by and they say, hey, let's play some basketball together. Nothing wrong with playing basketball. Let's play some basketball. If you phone up your girlfriend and say, oh, sweetheart, some old buddies of mine drop by and we're going to play some basketball. I'll see you another day. Now, she might understand once. She might understand twice. But if it happens a third time, your girlfriend will probably say, strike three, buster. You're out. Right, girls? Girls, you didn't know I was that smart, did you? Right? The boyfriend might might feel let down and abandoned. But whose fault was it? Whose fault was it? Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Sometimes we blame another person or other people. But the truth is, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. There are, there are times when you should go to the bathroom and look in the mirror and say, Oh, I see who the enemy is. Got it? 
Examine your own behavior and ask yourself, is there something about my behavior I need to change that is possibly turning people off, resulting in me feeling let down? All right, here's a sixth truth that can help us, and it is this. Accept the fact that sometimes some people will let you down no matter what you say and no matter how good you have been to them. That's reality. As a pastor, this has happened not only to me, but to most pastors. As a pastor, I've experienced that many, many times over the years. Through it all, Jesus knows what it is like to have people let us down, even to desert us. And the good news is, Jesus is able to help us through that. Amen? Here's a second major truth which stands out for me from the Garden of Gethsemane. The second truth is this. Can you... Uh, read it with me in a moment from the screen. Here it is. Jesus models for us how at times we must choose to persevere in prayer so we can face what lies ahead. I want you to notice how Jesus persevered in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 44 says, so he, Jesus, went to pray a third time, saying the same things. He went to pray again and again and again. Think of the contrast of the Garden of Gethsemane. Think of the contrast. Jesus on his face. Think about it. Jesus on his face praying. Judas on his feet betraying. Isn't that an incredible contrast? Jesus on his face praying. Judas on his feet betraying. Wow. Wow. Are you and me like Jesus or like Judas? My friend, Jesus persevered in prayer. There are many times when you and I also have to persevere in prayer. We have to persevere in prayer when we face a major medical operation. When we, when we long to see a family member come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. We must persevere in prayer when we are looking for the right job. Persevere in prayer when you are, when you are facing a major family crisis. Persevere in prayer when you need a physical or emotional healing from the Lord. 
Persevere in prayer for your sons, daughters, and grandchildren to grow up knowing, loving, and serving Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Persevere in prayer when you have a big project in mind. I remember how in the 1990s, we as a church persevered in prayer for over six years looking for land onto which we eventually built this church. Persevere in prayer when, when, when your heart is aching and breaking. Ian Bounds wrote 11 books, nine of which focused on prayer. Some of you have maybe read some of E.M. E. Bounds' books. Uh, Reverend Bounds says this, he says, We can do nothing without prayer. All things can be done all things can be done by persistent prayer. It surmounts or removes all obstacles, overcomes every resisting force, and gains its ends in the face of invincible hindrances. Thank you. Thank you to those of you who joined us for prayer on Friday evening from 7 to 10 p.m. Thank you to those of you who joined together for prayer yesterday, Saturday morning, from 9 a.m. till 12.30. About 1,600 years ago, St. Augustine said these words. He said, pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. Pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. My friends, Jesus knows what it is like to have people let us down, even to desert us. And he, Jesus, can help us. And be assured that Jesus models for us how at times we must choose to persevere in prayer so we can face what lies ahead. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may you indeed, may you indeed Help each one of us in the matters that we have spoken of. And thank you for modeling for us the fact that at times we must choose to persevere in prayer so that we can face what lies ahead. Lord, I pray, pray that you would inspire and help all of us here to persevere in prayer 
to be equipped and empowered to face whatever it is that lies ahead. How good it is to know that we can face the present and the future with the Lord. For you have said that God is for us. Jesus is for us. And we say thank you. Thank you, dear Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.